Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Vader Heist, Vader Heist, Vader Heist. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Street Comics Podcast. Starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martinez. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Yes, humble listeners, we've listened, we've observed, we've read your messages, we've heard your pleas, and this emperor of the second print galactic empire, I think, yeah, I just made that off the top of my head, that sounds cool. As emperor of the second print galactic empire, I'm now going to issue a new decree. From now on, we will recognize the existence of Star Wars comics from the Disney era. Yes, we're covering Star Wars, specifically the new Disney canons series, Star Wars Target Vader from 2019, but we can't do this without the dark lord of the second print Sith himself. You know him, you fear him. Some call him the California Chucacabra. Others call him the other dude who's not Remso, Mark Clare. <laughs> Mark, how goes it? Others call him the one with the great hair, but uh, either way... This is a choice. No one can see this, but this is a choice. <laughs> the themed tie-in. You look like, um, I don't know, like a, a futuristic generic bad guy that would be part of like the gang. And, like, <laughs> that, like, was, <laughs> that was the intention. I wanted it to go like Blade Runner. You could be a bounty hunter in the book we just read. I can. It looks badass. It slims my face, makes me look fierce. I was like, you know what? I'm out of the army. I can do whatever the fuck I want with my hair now. Fierce. Okay. That's one theory. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I know what happened here, Remzo. You heard, because we, not that you need to be a member of the Patreon to hear our Patreon shows, but we released our Patreon show, uh, the first Loki recap. We released that publicly that I did with our good friend Dan Smots. It's since been a Patreon only show. Uh, but on that first episode that aired publicly, Dan mentioned that he doesn't even listen to this show. Why? Because he's not really a comic book fan. But he also mentioned that he would definitely listen if we did a Star Wars episode. And here we are just a few weeks later with the star wars episode so i assume this is for literally for one so one person will the watch force works in mysterious ways mark <laughs> indeed it does and here we are so yeah i'm excited though because uh it's i am very excited that that the, at the dearth of star wars content that exists just in the world in general between movies uh new disney plus shows um th- there's a, an incredible number of books some of which are now not canon the timothy zahn books that i was a big fan of in the 90s those are no longer canon i believe in this you know disney verse or what have you but there are so many comics as well related to this stuff and i've i've been reading these like you know the new marvel star wars comics um i did not read this series uh so i'm glad this is the one you brought up one i hadn't read but i've been reading a, a good number of these both the star wars series and the darth vader series several iterations of them over the last few years and uh they're all 
pretty much stellar for the most part. So uh, it, it's one very exciting aspect of the corporatism that has brought us this merger of of Disney and Marvel and all this stuff being under the same banner. It's bought us some cool co- cool comics. So you know. Oh, I mean, the, the, the this stuff is basically giving Marvel the cash flow they need to justify continue printing more and more and more. And whether it's been the Vader series, which everyone, I mean, that's that series just so metal, it's crazy. To uh, new characters like uh, I think it's Doctor Afra. Mm-hmm. Who, who's pretty cool. We, we've got the Leia limited series. We've got a whole bunch of like limited series here and there. And we've got the current Star Wars series where we get to see cool things like the Kenner yellow lightsaber made into official canon. We get to see people like the Grand Inquisitor come back from the Star Wars um, uh, Rebels cartoon. I mean, it's just it, it's one of these things where it's like if you were a fan, like many, many listeners were who were disappointed with um, the the new Skywalker saga as they're calling it, which I, I don't recognize as canon, but you liked the cartoons. You liked the Mandalorian stuff like that. And you remember reading a couple of the books. Um, I mean, like you said, so much stuff has come out. I remember picking up, uh, Timothy Zane. He came back to write a new canon origin for Thrawn, which was crazy. Uh, he also wrote the sequel of that, um, and, and I mean, just these comics alone, it's been not only a great source of just expanding Star Wars lore, but it's been some of the best storytelling I, I've read in comics in in a very long time. And this is coming from somebody that's very critical of the new Star Wars, very critical of Marvel. When it comes to the comics, I have had no criticisms. Yeah, I'm with you there. This is the one area, like many other than maybe I don't know what whatever Donny Cates is working on at the time, and um and Immortal Hulk. Pretty much almost everything else coming out of Marvel has just been dreck for the last couple of years. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, yeah, I, I share your thoughts about uh the the lack of wanting to embrace the quote unquote Skywalker saga, or at least that last third of the, the Skywalker saga, as as a uh, you know as having the same meaning. I mean, it, parts of that story make me make me fond for the pre. You know, because at least the prequels, you know, for all all the problems that they had and for for everything, I mean, they still really had that Star Wars feel and they did have a coherent story, even if it was cheesy at times and maybe the acting wasn't always great. Um, But I can't really say the same for for that, that, you know, the, the quote unquote last Skywalker saga trilogy or whatever the hell they're calling it. Um, However, both of these trash. things merging They're calling together. it trash. They're calling it trash, yes. Mo- both of these things merging together have brought us these gems from Marvel Comics. And as you kind of referenced, they have been uh, some of the best-selling comics as well. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I don't remember where I heard this. I don't know if you... Did I hear this on, on your last episode, the solo episode you did? I'm not sure. Hmm. But uh, someone that mentioned that, like, basically Marvel is basically like run like a charity right now. That uh, they, they basically, like, they publish comics just to publish comics and not because they're actually profitable. But I, I believe that uh, Star Wars, the, the Star Wars books overall, are some of the best-selling books that they actually have. So if anything is keeping the comic side afloat, it is these Star Wars books. Oh, yeah. I've been saying Marvel's been a cadaver for several years because their their comics have just turned into like cheap appeasement trash for people that don't read comics and then merchandise for the films, which, I mean, are, I mean, the, the films are the films and the comics are the comics. And you can't muddy the two. Yeah, it seems like the comics are basically just objects that they create to sell to people who have seen the movies but not to actually tell a story a cohesive story in and of themselves yeah which is why for 
Marvel to have this responsibility of publishing these new stories that are canon, which means they actually do impact all the other Star Wars projects. Uh, I, I mean, it's 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 a big responsibility, but they've been doing it really well. I haven't been reading any of the Star Wars High Republic stuff. I got one of the novels and I, I put it down. I couldn't keep going with it. But like it, they, they it's been it's been a home run. And with this series, this is just one example of them actually looking to the past to inspire the future by going back into the past. And what that basically means is what I'll describe in a moment, but we got some house notes real fast and all this will make sense in a moment. I've been talking about Star Wars pretty often over on my Remso rants over on the Second Print Comics Patreon, which you can go check out at uh, patreon.com slash second print pod. It's for as little five as for as little as five dollar a month. Five dollars a month. I can't. Five dollar, dollar, dollar bills for as little as five dollar bills a month. Um, you can go ahead and get all the Remso rants, all the Loki recaps, all the all, all the awesome stuff we do. You know, early releases of the episodes and stuff. But I've been talking about Star Wars a little bit over there. What I've been jumping between is the difference between certain canon material, and th- this is important because what this series does is it one. It was one of the earlier um, Marvel. Disney canon stories to come out came out uh, a few years prior. And what it did was it took us back to the post revenge of the Sith era, but before star Wars, a new hope. And what they also did was they went back to some of the, what they call legends material legends is everything that happened in books and comic books before the Disney acquisition in 2008 uh, when they bought Marvel and ev- and everything else and Lucas Arts, um, so what happened was they basically took like you know th- basically like twenty five years of original expanded content and they basically said none of this matters. So what they had to do was they basically had to go ahead and reconstruct things from the ground up, like the way that Darth Vader created his lightsaber in Legends continuity, which people may have known for like twenty years or so, is completely different than how he got his his red lightsaber now and stuff like that so a like little differences and big differences like the existence of the midichlorians from uh star wars the phantom menace we don't talk about midichlorians well the midichlorians make a comeback here whether you like it or not not in this specific story but in, in the new canon but uh you know one of the things that uh i really like is the fact that they brought back new characters well old characters that were out of continuity but they brought them back in the biggest one probably being um grand admiral thrawn who is I th- I'm surprised they haven't put him in the movie yet. I'm really hoping they do in the upcoming Mandalorian or Ashoka series that they're doing because they've already hinted that Thrawn is alive. I think it's coming. Uh, there's been enough enough you know interconnected seeds planted uh, to indicate that that is going to be the case. And that that's he and, and Admiral Grand Admiral Thrawn was the villain of the Timothy Zahn books, which again, while those are no longer can- can- canon, um, I, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, I, but I, I don't believe that that is the case that they are no longer they are not because they were supposed to be. That was a trilogy that took place. Basically, was supposed to be the last trilogy, the last Skywalker trilogy. Yeah. Um, but instead, we got you know J.J. Abrams and and his ca- wacky cast of characters uh, doing what they did. But um, yeah, but you know that character has carried over; has become so iconic that it did actually get integrated into what is now the canon Star Wars verse. So I don't think there's any doubt because um, they they've referenced that character, I, I believe, in in some of the cartoons and such. Correct? We just haven't seen it in a, in a live live action. Yeah. So he was in Star Wars Rebels. That's where they really brought him into new continuity. 
Then Timothy Zane came back to write a new origin for Thrawn set Zahn. in Zahn. Like Timothy, Timothy Zahn. They brought him back. Not, not to be confused with Billy Zane. Well, they brought him back to do the new Thrawn origin for the new Disney canon. And now we're potentially going to see a live action Thrawn within the new future. So that's just one big example. But we're going to see a return of one of my favorite uh, Legends characters, uh, Valance, the bounty hunter, who is basically like this badass mix between like Kurt Russell and the Terminator. It's freaking awesome. We'll be jumping into that. And also, you know, talking more about what is going on in this era, which I feel Disney has somewhat uh, done a good job recently of talking about it's that era between like when the empire first kind of started to a new hope we see in star wars rebels we see in star wars uh rogue one uh we see it in a few of the other comics so anything that takes place in this era this is probably like my favorite portion of it because it's like the wild west of star wars so much is new so much is different so much happens in this time that really sheds a light on what you're gonna see in the shows the movies i i love this specific era of star wars so that, that's all I got before we jump in. Anything you want to cover? The only other thing I want to mention is that we do have a couple new patrons. And as I had been teasing, I will be giving away my fuck it pile. The little stack of comics that I brought home with no bags, no boards. And um, one of our patrons who's going to get that is our first ever annual patron. And I want to remind you guys, I think I've only mentioned on a couple different episodes, we do have annual memberships now. And I think you end up getting, basically, I think you end up getting a free month when you go annual uh, due to the discount on that. So depending on what level you're at, that could be pretty big savings. That could be $25 in savings as it was for Justin, who joined at our epic crossover level, which means he has some trade paperbacks coming his way. He's got a poster coming his way. He's got uh, monthly calls with you and I coming his way. He's got a lot of stuff coming. And He's got a ton well, of shit there. He does. But in addition to that, because uh, I, I did promise this to our, our next few patrons, he is going to be getting Extreme Sacrifice number one. And I decided that Justin actually should get both here. He's going to get Extreme Sacrifice number one and two. My very first two comics I covered uh, with the fuck it pile because a i mean how could i let the man read number one and not see how the whole thing played out at the end with number two that would just be criminal but you know that would be he signed up at, a, at a pretty high level so we're gonna we're gonna give you a little double reward there justin so look out for that and uh then we got another new patron as well michael who will be receiving the next book that i cover for the patreon only show tales from the fuck it pile you're gonna have to wait to find out what that is i'm gonna be doing it very soon i don't even know no, he doesn't. Nobody knows. I don't even nope. know. I'm going to know when I reach into the pile and see what I pull out. Ah, <laughs> uh, what's in the fucking pile today? Okay, you get this one. Exactly. That's how it works. <laughs> well, gentlemen. guides me. I don't guide the fucking pile. And just like that, whatever guided you here must be awesome. May the force be with you, gentlemen. Indeed. All right, folks. We are jumping in to the limited series Star Wars Target Vader. Uh, we start off in the lower bay docks of the outer rim in a planet called Fakari. I think they just tend to make up these planets, but you know, everything's made up. I just wonder how they pull out these names, but that's not important. Basically what we find is a handful of bounty hunters are waiting around looking, um, you know, for this target. And what they basically are discussing is this organization called the Hidden Hand. And they don't really know who the Hidden Hand is. They don't really know if it's a person, if it's an organization. What they do know is that they're waiting to kill somebody. So as they're just waiting around talking, wondering whether or not, you know, this Hidden Hand is real, whether the contract is real, whether or not they're wasting their time. Uh, one of them goes around and he's looking for one of his friends who's kind of like disappeared into this fog coming up. And all of a sudden, um, you know, guys just start getting picked off, like 
one guy falls down, another guy falls down. And what we basically see is that they're, they, they're not shot. So he's looking around just wondering like, who's, who's like randomly killing my friends and how is, how is he doing that? And next thing you know, um, this, this voice comes out, this robotic voice. And it's like, where's the hidden hand? And the dude starts freaking out. And one, because I mean, you know, all his friends are getting like choked in air. And next, you know, this giant robot voice comes out and he's like, I, I don't know. No, I don't know anybody. Nobody knows them. They don't use names. They don't, they just use credits and they buy, buy silence. They buy their loyalty, man. So he's freaking out and he's like, please, you, you don't, if you don't believe me, I, I mean, come on, I don't know anything. I swear. I don't know. And next thing you know, we see a giant explosion and we go to our first appearance of the badass and black himself, Darth Vader. He has just been going around literally murdering people with his force powers. And as he walks away from explosions, because awesome, cool guys walk away from explosions, he says, I believe you. Dun, 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 dun. Every time there's a splash page when he appears throughout this book or any book, uh, that the music just kicks in. I love it. Yeah. So so we go to the prologue for this, and this is what I like about this series because they always kind of give you an idea of where this takes place in canon, what's going on. Even for a first issue, it's a little bit necessary. Darth Vader is the most dangerous being in the galaxy with the entire military might of the Empire at his disposal and the dark side of the force at his command. No foe can hope to challenge him and win, but someone has a score to settle with the Dark Lord. The hunt is on just from those first couple pages. Mark, I think this sets the tone perfectly. Um, you know, Darth Vader is terrifying. And that's something that I've always kind of criticized in the films. It's like we never get to see Vader at like his fullest. I think the most we ever did was we saw him uh, choke uh, director Krennic in Star Wars Rogue One. And that was I mean, that was pretty scary uh, compared to all the other chokings in the original trilogy. And then when you see him like go ham on those rebels a lot uh, on those uh, rebels when he's yeah, when he's gonna go get the Death Star plans. I mean, the comics my top three, one of my top three scenes in a in star wars movies period yeah it's awesome so i mean he's he's terrifying he should be terrifying and to let people know that he is a terrifying monster of a person in the first couple pages that's what we want to see and i'm glad they delivered on that yeah i agree it was a, it was a perfect way to kick this thing off we start off hot and like you said that is a that is a you know something we see in a lot of these star wars books they start off hot they let us know what we're going to be seeing and they interest they pull us in right away and that is what uh robbie thompson who wrote this thing uh did uh did right here today so three pages in and i'm sucked in so basically as vader has walked away from the explosion like all badasses do he pulls up a hologram uh, message from the emperor and basically what the emperor is saying is hey this new hidden hand it must be crushed every member of this ridiculous cabal must be exposed and destroyed any association or ally torn to pieces a syndicate hidden from the empire smuggling weapons is one thing but selling the weapons to the rebellion the hidden hand must be wiped from existence with extreme prejudice. And I just want to, you know, I'm going to keep doing this, constantly reminding people where we are. It's like there is no rebel alliance yet. Right now, the rebel alliance is really the shards of the separatist movement from the prequels. And it's it's this loose alliance of different rebel factions. So the fact that you've got this big group, this big syndicate that's actually able to get weapons, high tech imperial weapons into the hands of rebels. That's not something the Empire wants to ignore. Mark, prior to this, I mean, I don't think. 
anything other than maybe the Star Wars Rebels TV show and maybe the comics have really kind of showed us how difficult it was for the rebellion to get off the ground. Actually, no, I mean, there was Star Wars, uh, you know, Rogue One, but like th- this is really the beginning phases of everything that leads to Star Wars A New Hope. That's at least like 25 years right there of just stories that we only really have fractions of. And that's why I like about this. They're really kind of setting the stage that this is the Empire in the absence of a rebellion right now. It's a threat, but it's not the threat it's going to become. Right. That, that's one thing I love about the format of all of these like Marvel Star Wars books is that they're going back and they're all canon. So they're taking gaps. You know, there's tons of gaps. You know, we've only seen um, if we're just talking again, we're not going to reference the J.J. Abrams stuff. But if we're just talking about those three movies and the three prequels, still, we've only seen small snapshots of this universe we've seen glimpses of events but we haven't seen the full picture and there's so because of the time gaps and all all that that there is in between i mean they really have so much material to choose from to with which they can kind of dig further and dig deeper and show us the nooks and crannies and the nuances of this universe and that is just what i love about all this stuff and they've done such a great job at marvel of making everything feel like star wars and really never making it feel like they're just cramming a story into cram a story it all feels like just important events that unfolded that make the rest of the universe that we already know about make more sense. Absolutely. So now we go on to Coruscant, which, I mean, we haven't been back to Coruscant in film and, you know, at least like six movies. So I'm glad that, you know, with the comics, Raven will travel back to Coruscant. Uh, we see this one bounty hunter. He's going down to this tavern and he's looking for this guy. Um you know, what I like about the artwork is that they could have gone real flimsy. They didn't have to show much, but really this looks like something they could have taken out of a Star Wars movie. We've got the futuristic setting. We've got the tone of Coruscant, like you saw in the films. It's really cool. You get to see some different aliens. And because, you know, this is definitely the CD part of Tannis, this bounty hunter walks in. He actually has to check his weapons with a guard droid at the beginning of the tavern. So he walks in and he's looking for somebody. And he sees this guy. He's face first in his table. He's got a bunch of shot glasses around him. Looks like he's had a bit too much to drink. And next, you know, he sits down. And this is where we're introduced to our main character. The guy walks over and he's like, Baylert Valance, failure of the Empire. And now failure of bounty hunt of the Bounty Hunters Guild. And this is where we get to meet Baylert Valance. Now, Baylert Valance was originally introduced in the Star Wars comics when Marvel was publishing them in the 70s and 80s and stuff like that. I call him Baylert, but that's because I'm just reading it. I've never heard anyone say it. So I've never really heard anyone say it either. I've always just thought it was that. What was called Valance? You say Baylert. I say Baylert. 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 Let's just call him Valance. Womp. All right. There you go. Works for me. (laughs) Channeling Wainer Hugh Jackman here today. So... Valance is a character who was originally designed for the comics. You see, at the time when Marvel was publishing the Star Wars comics, one, they started before A New Hope even hit theaters. So if you go back and read like Star Wars issue one, you see that like um, Jabba the Hutt is a weird like Guido looking alien. He does not look like a giant slug. All the lightsabers are red. There's really no Han Solo. Uh, Luke has some weird friend he hangs out with on uh, tattooing. And, you know, they, they had to basically make things up because the writers were given very little information about what was actually happening in the film. So the comics and the films actually deviated in a ton of ways. But, you know, they had to sell the comics still to pump up when the movies would come out and also give 
someone who watched the movies and wanted more stuff, something to continue reading. So Valance is a character who is designed to be one of the baddest bounty hunters in the galaxy. Some say he's even more of a badass than Boba Fett. And Valance in Legends continuity, uh, he's got a origin that most can basically call haphazard. I mean, in some cases, he touches like magic gems that turn him from a robot into a human. And other times he's an imperial trooper. So they kept trying to rework it because they didn't really know how to justify it. Because really, Valance was a Terminator ripoff straight down to his appearance, his mannerisms, how he talked. So different writers would come in and they kept trying to mess with it. So he was cool, but he was not somebody who you really kind of had a clear gauge on like his origin or real character direction. And eventually, you know, through buyouts and different continuities and shit like that, he just kind of disappeared. So this is his first appearance in new Disney continuity. Yeah. This is my first exposure to the character as well. And, um, yeah, I mean, my my initial impression was basically, yeah, seems cool. Kind of like a Terminator guy. He's like Han Solo married the Terminator, essentially. That, that's what I would call Bylert. Bylert. That's what I would call Valance by my first impressions. Yeah, Star Wars Terminator. And basically, this, this bounty hunter is there because he's got Bone to pick with him. Apparently, Valance is in some major debt with some crime lord, and he's been unable to actually get guild assignments. So basically, be a bounty hunter in the Star Wars universe, you got to be part of a guild, and through the guild, you're given your assigned these bounties. Unions, man. Eh, these these yeah. rules, I mean, they just need uber bounty hunters. Just get who's on duty. But basically, um, because Valance is so in debt, what he's been doing is he's been stealing the other assignments of other bounty hunters and taking their rewards. And that's of pissing them off. You don't so, need no union. Nah. So basically, um, what this bounty hunter is going to do is he's going to go ahead and uh, you know, bring him in because he's given all these other bounty hunters a, a, a pretty big headache. <laughs> but in classic Star Wars fashion... We see that Valance has a gun and he shoots the guy much like Han shot. What's his name? Greedo. Yeah. Is it Greedo? Greedo, Greedo. One of those guys. Yeah. So Valance shot first and yeah, Valance definitely shot first. That much, that much is definitely clear here. Yeah. And he shot a lot of a lot first. <laughs> yeah. He shot full load. Um, <laughs> that, came, that, 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 that came out that that. That's the oh, cold yeah, it opening. came out bad, did it? That, the full yeah, load? Anyway, yeah, we're going to move on. Yeah, yeah, children's show. It's okay. It's still um, rated G. We're just saying things, you know? Yeah, yeah. If you infer <laughs> anything from that, that's your fault. It's like, you know, my favorite, some of my favorite Disney cartoons are just that that sort of, you know, you know, cartoons that are made for young kids, but they have humor in there that only adults get. Not that that was all that funny, but, you know, only adults will get it. And if kids are listening, they don't know what happened, except now that we're talking about it, they might go ask their parents, Dad, what are these guys talking about? So I am sorry, parents. We don't let your kids about. listen to this show. No, uh, basically, so Valance basically blasted his full I know load Justin, in our, our latest patron actually does listen with his son. That's the funny. Oh, thing. wow. So that's Justin's got a, he's got a lot of conversation to have this evening. So that, that's your that's your new patron. Gift. He already paid for son. a year. Um, <laughs> we got your money for a year. Sorry. So Valance, therapy. Valance shoots off his full load in the public and all the other aliens are just like, what did that guy just do? And Valance looks around. He's like, anyone else? And um, at this point, 
See, now that I have the thing, I mean, I'm, yeah, just keep going. You're, you keep you keep pulling it <laughs> and back. And everyone, he, he, he unleashes his full load to the bar and looks around and everyone's like, what did this guy just do? I mean, so we've got this one dude who looks at him yeah, like, I just saw what, I, I just saw what you did. And he's giving him like this look and we all know. <laughs> we all know. <laughs> I mean, now, you started uh, this. I'm just going along with it now. Yeah, so he follows him outside, as strangers do, and uh, Valance is walking over to uh, the docking bay to get to his starship, the Broken Wing, which is kind of cool. I mean, it's not Millennium Falcon cool, but it's pretty cool. And uh, it does he look like kind of like a, a poor man's Millennium Falcon. It's yeah, like the same it, style of ship. It's like the Toyota Camry of of the Star <laughs> hey, Wars vehicles. That's what I drive. It's a good yeah. car, but you know, it it's not it's not a Millennium Falcon, which is like a Mustang. No. It's not. No, it's not um, but anyway, so Valance. But it is a sport edition. Stop trying make, to make yourself make feel better. Yeah, well, I'm getting old. I gotta, I gotta cling to anything I can here. Okay, well, you can call your Camry the Broken Wing if it makes you feel better. I, I just might do that. I'm gonna call it the, the Clipped Wing. That's my Camry's name. I used to drive a Kia Soul. I used to name it Spock. Okay, well that's just nerdy. Move yeah, on. well. Anyway, so Valance. Uh, the, this guy follows Valance out and Valance knows that he's being followed. So he's like, you could stop following me now, pal. And then he pulls like a Clint Eastwood, like swings around. And he's got his blaster face and he's like, it's the end of the line. And I mean, I just love it because he's like, he, I, I feel like when I'm, when I'm reading anything with Valance, he's like, you know, Terminator, Kurt Russell. He's just freaking like awesome. So the guy comes over the, this furry little uh, ape, dude and he's like i come in peace and more importantly with money and he pulls out all these imperial credits and he's like and there's more where this came from and this is where we learned that the guy's name is gui and he's a messenger for the hidden hand and basically he calls him out and he's like hey valance listen you've been stealing bounties uh you have a heavy debt and if you're willing to break the bounty hunters code like that tonight won't be the last time you kill one of your own fortunately for you my employers like rule breakers they wish to set you free they've assembled a team for a simple mission do the job and these credits will erase that debt and all you have to do is kill a man so right there that's all the exposition you need and valance is basically like buddy i got two rules one always know who you're working for second i work alone so basically the guy's like hey man listen this is this is gonna be big and now it's like i don't give a shit and he's like but wait you don't even know who the target is and he's like i don't care and then gui basically shoots it out he's like listen the target is Darth Vader, and that gets Valance's attention. And he turns around and he's like, "Tell me about this team." Uh, this is where we meet uh, Hona. Yeah, ragtag team of bounty hunters. I'm excited. Yeah, so this is basically like you—you you feel like this is setting up like a heist film type of yeah, deal. That's exactly. <laughs> this reminds me of the uh, Rick and Morty episode where they did the parody of the heist film, like the, this montage. You of son of a bitch! Characters. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's ba- they, that's basically what Valard said here. He's telling me about this team. He he's basically doing the you son of a bitch. I'm in. So we literally go to a montage, and I can hear like the Ocean's Eleven music in the background. Uh, we meet uh, Hona, who's one of like those pig guard people from like My Jabba's Palace. Favorite. I love this guy. Uh, we got Irk, who's like a Tuscan Raider. So, you know, we've got like the space Muslim on board uh, sniper. And then we've got Chow Fan, who's a Asian stereotype with like a dozen arms. And then we've got R919, who's a robot spider thing who like. Oh, he's got to have a, a robot involved now. 
Yeah, so you've got all the stereotypes. And now, you know, like all montages, we flash forward. Everyone is just kind of chilling around. Uh, and next thing you know, we meet this other guy named Dengar, who... Dengar looks stupid, I'll say it. If you're wearing armor, why are you wearing, like, you know, all those bandages? He's like a bad burn victim. It's like, look cool or scary, but be be one or the other. You can't be both. I love how Valance just, just slaps him in the face. He's like, yeah, I've met this asshole. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so Valance and Dengar have met, and he smacks Dengar in the face. Just bitch slaps him. Yeah. Actually, he decks him. That's a fist. That's a closed fist. Yeah, that was not a pimp slap. That was, that was full hatred. Um, so basically... Dengar is basically like still upset about the Raylene job, huh? Spare parts. Apparently that's like the N-word of cyborgs. And um, you know, Gui is like, is there a problem? And next, you know, Valance is like, yeah, my third rule. And then he pulls out like this flamethrower from his hand and he burns the robot spider Jedi killer guy, and he's like, no droids. And, you know, Gui is like, man, you just killed one of your teammates. And he's like, nope, he was a liar. He was no Jedi killer. Uh, what he was, though, was up to his bolts and debt to the huts. And he basically he had a tracking device on him. So he was basically a liability for the mission. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was implied, if it, if it was just that, like, he was supposed to be like a, a rogue agent who was there on behalf of the huts, doing them a favor because of the debt he was in, or if he was just being tracked by the huts because of his debt. Either way, he's dead now, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, I that flame know. that flamethrower kind of did, did a good one on him. Uh, but, you know, Valance takes it out. He's like, I'm assuming your bosses don't want us or you tracked by a rival syndicate. So now since he, you know, has publicly humiliated one teammate and murdered another in front of the others, he's like, okay, let's go kill Darth Vader. And cue the music. Vader heist, Vader heist, Vader heist. Yeah, so now we're over on the planet U in the dark quarter. Uh, You know, Darth Vader has done what he usually does when he goes to meet residents of the Empire. He murders most of them. So he's strangling a couple of bounty hunters. And then as he murders one, um, you know, he's basically trying to interrogate this guy. And what he basically has learned by now is that somebody has a plot to murder him. So that's not probably always a plot to murder Darth Vader. I mean, he's Darth Vader. Yeah, but this one actually kind of worries him or else he wouldn't be going so apeshit on this. Yeah, a lot of people think about doing it, but most people probably aren't about to be able to do it. No one has the balls to try because they usually end up strangled. Uh, then we go out to the asteroid belt of the outer rim. And what we basically see is that, um, people are getting word that there are bounties on Vader's head and that a group of bounty hunters are about to go try and take him out. And, um, basically we meet this one rebel leader. She says, excellent with Vader out of the picture, nothing will stand in the way of the hidden hand weapon supply. Nothing will stand in the way of the rebellion. And this is the first real confirmation that, you know, the hidden hand is deliberately providing stuff to the rebellion and the rebellion is starting to get organized with their own intelligence network. So I think we've the rebellion CIA. Yeah. So we've basically set the stage for for a pretty good solid issue. And I mean, you know, all the players, you know, basically what the stakes are and you get an idea of how how violent things can get. So I think issue one did a great job at everything. I like the artwork. I like the story. I like the fact that we're meeting new and old characters alike. Mark, what were your thoughts? Uh, I'm totally the same. I'm in uh, right from the get go. And I like that. 
you know, what's great about a lot of these books, but this one in particular, you know, there's this rich history of Star Wars. There's so many little directions they can go, so many places they can take you, so many time periods they, they can look at. And at the same time, if, if you're a fan that has this knowledge of the universe, like like you, like you know this character, even if it's not from the same continuity. Um, and, you know, there's little, there's just little snippets of everything that remind you of other aspects of this universe that you've seen in, in other media. Um, but if you haven't, if you were a new reader that just, you know, had kind of had seen the movies once, you know, that you could still pick this up and feel totally sucked in and not, and not feel like you're missing anything either. So it's really rewarding for like very rich Star Wars fans who are obsessed with this stuff. But I think it, it's in no way intimidating for someone who's just more of a casual Star Wars fan. Yeah. And what I like is when they they take a very rich lore like Star Wars and they put it these like little, you know, vignette stories into a genre. Like what I liked about Solo is that Solo is a space Western. What I liked about Rogue One is that Rogue One is basically a spy film. So to basically get this, which is a high story at its at its uh that's heart, despite the fact that they're not stealing anything, they have to go after somebody. Since it follows that flow, you get to see a, a, a genre that people, you know, really like through the lens of Star Wars, which is just, I mean, I, how can you not love it? Now, I, I do want to address just for, uh, you know, because we didn't mention the, the artists of the first issue. Um, in fact, I don't know who they were, the first issue, but we do have a different artist on the second issue. So, yeah, the first artist was, let's see, well, issue one had a couple different artists. And their names were, let me find out one second. Do, I just do, have to go do, do, do this. Do, and they do, were Mark do, Laming do. and Chris Bolson. And now in issue two here, we have a different artist. We've got Stefano Landini and colorist Niraj Manan. Yes. And I only mention these things um, because why not? That's why I'm here to mention things that don't get mentioned. Yeah. Did you like the art in the first one? I like the art in the first one. That, that's why I'm I, I like the, I like the art in the first one a lot. Uh, it just felt very Star Wars, and like a lot of the detail, like you mentioned, like when they're in, when he's in uh, Valance in the cantina, like just things that they could have made more generic, but they didn't. They really went into the detail of showing you the different aliens. Even there's there's certain ones you can like see these aliens, and and what I like about it is I recognize these species from other similar scenes in other Star Wars. Some of them, and some of them are new, and it's just a good mix. And I just there's a lot of fine detail here, and it. It feels very Star Wars, like Darth Vader looks like a badass Darth Vader and the rest of it all just feels like it fits in the same universe. So yes, that's why I brought it up, because I wanted to compliment the art in the first one. I'm, I'm glad you bring it up because issue two, you might have different opinions of. Uh, we start issue two with a flashback to Valance. He's working in the mines with his father and he's like, father. And his father's like, yes, boy. And Valance is like, grandfather was a miner all his days and you've been one your whole life. Will I be a miner my whole life too? Now this part is important. And I think that people might move past it to get to the action, but this is actually really, really important. And, um, you know, Valance, Kid Valance, basically like, I'm proud to be one, of course. But and his father comes over, puts his arm around him, and he's like, our people mined these hills for generations as slaves. Keyword, slaves. But now we mine for profit as free men and women, thanks to our liberators, thanks to the empire. And they walk out of the cave and you see all these star destroyers floating overhead in the atmosphere. Our friends in the Empire. Yeah, yeah. Let that let that sink in. And Valance's dad is like, the Valance family has dug, scratched, and clawed through these hills for centuries. But you, you're different. 
You were born free. You belong in the stars, Bilart. And, you know, this is one of those things that people need to really understand. And I think Stephen Kent from Beltway Banthas does a really great job. I had him on my other podcast on the run to talk about why the Republic from Star Wars was actually pretty terrible. But like, you know, in 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 the prequels, I'll try and make this really fast. The real reason why the Republic is fighting the separatists is because the separatists don't want to pay tariffs. And later on, as the Clone Wars develop, the Republic propaganda turns into, oh, no, we're going to end slavery. And, oh, no, we're going to end wars and we're going to have a nationalized military. If you're a lover of, you know, basic, you know, human rights and economic freedom and stuff, the Republic is actually not your friend. In fact, that's also one of the reasons why the separatists used droids to fight. It's because they didn't believe that people should be forced into conscription, which is what the Republic was forcing all of their partner planets to do. That's ultimately why they went for the clone army um, in, in episode two. So this idea that the Republic and the Jedi were, you know, just your basic good guys in the prequels is actually not that true. So while, yeah, and, the, and that's why the empire was able to rise to power. I mean, anytime, you know, it's, it's, it's action reaction. Anytime in history, when you see power changes, it's usually because a certain situation went so far in the extreme in one way that uh, the public at large or what have you calls for something, some kind of action or group or strongman to be their savior and take them out of it. And to many people, that was uh, the empire. And that's why the empire, the empire didn't rise in unpopularity. The empire rose because it was very popular. Yeah. And I mean, on one of these separatist planets, they had slaves. Uh, the thing is that the Republic actually ignored slavery in the planets in the Outer Rims as long as you were part of the Republic, as long as you had a representative in the Senate. It wasn't until some yeah, of the separatist. Like huh? yeah, yeah. It wasn't until some of these separatist planets were like, you know, we don't want to pay your trade fees and we don't want to have to go through your, you know, um, uh, your treaties and stuff like that, that they were like, you know, suddenly we have a bad opinion of slavery. So, you know what? You guys are, you guys have slaves over there. We just found out. We just, we just it. knew this just now. We're taking over your planet, hearts and minds. Do you have this oil? Sounds all, this sounds all too much like something I didn't quite hear the full story about in the, in the, in the history books in, uh, in, in school and yeah. social studies, I should yeah. say, but yeah. I, I, I will add that, either. you know, one, one of my favorite scenes in, in rogue one is when Andor's, get yelling at Jenner. So, and he's like, you've been fighting the rebellion for a few days. I've been fighting for them my entire life. When you actually look at the, at the lifespan of Cassian Andor, you learn that he was a separatist fighter fighting the clones in the Republic. So it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, just a matter of movies, the good guys become the bad guys and vice versa. And it's just one of these moments where it's like, this is where you begin to really steep yourself in the deep lore of star Wars. So now we basically know that Valance, you know, he's the first freeborn person in his colony, um, you know, post post Clone Wars. And that's a big deal. So now we're out in space. We see a couple of TIE fighters going after Valance and he just blasts them out of out of, uh, you know, out of, out of the sky, out of space. And you've got the other bounty hunters in the back who are just dick measuring and stuff like that. And they're trying to figure out whether or not they can really trust Valance and everything. And eventually they go ahead. I just love Hana at all times. Whenever anything's going on, you just see oink, squee. She's like the most like she's like the most Muppet character in this entire thing. I know she's supposed to be intimidating, but she's really not. I don't think she's supposed to be intimidating to us. I think we're supposed to just see her as, as like you said, kind of a, a lovable amusing. brute. 
Yeah, lovable brute. Yeah. So they get to a planet called Arvina. This is where they basically hear that uh, Darth Vader is going to be coming for some reason. So they're basically setting up a trap. But what they need to do is they need weapons that are going to be able to take down a Sith Lord because, you know, just a few uh, properly placed laser blasts are not going to do it. So they go out to this uh, guy at this outpost at this outpost called Fetya's Hollow. And they're they're trying to get them themselves some, you know, heavy duty weapons right now. So he goes to an old friend of his named Chow. Uh, Chow is basically this this arms dealer. And he looks a lot like the diner owner from uh, Attack of the Clones. If you remember him and that terrible CGI scene with Obi-Wan Kenobi, Uh, he walks out. I call him like a salamander looking guy with four arms and uh, he pulls a gun out Valance, and he's like Valance, I was hoping I'd run into you again someday real way to, you know, say hi to friends, but I guess bounty hunters do that. He goes over and gives him a hug and he's like, how you doing you old maniac? And they're just catching up. It's the same. It's the heist trope all over again. Yeah. (laughs) You son of a bitch. bitch. (laughs) I'm in. So basically he's like, what can I do for you? And Valance is like, listen, I need sonic cannons. Uh, I need a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, he's Ch- uh, Chow or Chio is like, well, I've got you covered. You know, a lot of you as well. Help yourself to whatever weapons of war you want, kids. I know Valance's credit is good. And this is when Valance comes over and he's like, well, it's not on me today, man. It's on the hidden hand. And the tone kind of changes. Dun, dun, dun. So you got uh, Dengar and Hona. They're looking around at stuff and. Uh, next thing you know, they're, uh, they're, they're talking and Valance is basically trying to understand more about the hidden hands because, uh, Chow is like, Oh, they got you too. Right. Pretty soon we'll all be working for these ghosts. I've been running weapons for the hidden hand for almost a year now. And they got outposts stashed in every dark corner of every system. The hidden hand don't operate like any syndicate I've worked with. No rules, no limits, no honor. And to be honest, they operate more like bounty hunters and they don't care who they sell to neither. The last shipment I got um, I got to look at the buyer and my hidden hand contact wouldn't tell me who they were, but I know that what symbol they use. And basically he goes down to the glass where there's a bunch of dust and he draws with his What's finger, the, the symbol. It's the rebel Alliance emblem. So this really lets you know they're leaning thick on the Easter eggs here, Mark. Um, at this point, uh, you know, you think that, He's on their side. Everything is fine. But at this point, you know, Valance is getting a little bit suspicious because some guys have walked in. He's like, well, you're a good guy now. And then he's like, hey, man, I've been in this business for decades and there are no good guys. Next thing, all these all these goons come out with their guns out. And, um, you know, it's basically a trap. I don't think they're going to be getting any guns today. So uh, the arms dealer guy pulls out his guns and he's like, Hey, you know, uh, I did a hanger job for the hidden hand and it went belly up and I had nothing. And I got to uh, tell you that I'm going to enjoy killing you and your friends slowly. And basically what they know is that balance has a bounty on his head because he's in debt with all these people. So basically if your friends are willing to turn you in, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a bad time. It's you know it's it's just the the pitfalls of being in the bounty hunter world. Your best friend is is always a great contract away from being your worst enemy. Yeah, but just like any George Clooney esque heist character, uh, Valance gives them a little threat, and he's like, "Hey, you know, uh, I can 
go ahead and just kill you right now without even lifting a fig, uh, finger. And the guy's like, hey, what, what do you mean? Next thing you know, there's this giant explosion. Everyone is dying around him. And the whole place is just, you know, blown up. I'm trying to find like more artistic ways of describing it. Yeah, it's blown it, up works. Yeah. And, and basically what has happened is they look up and they see the star destroyer destroying the entire colony. And you see Darth Vader right dun, there dun, looking dun, down dun, menacingly. Dun, dun, Once dun, I got dun, cough. Dun, that's okay. That, that's why I was singing to cover up your cough. Yeah. Dun, 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 I was getting force choked by Vader. Um, <laughs> basically what happened was at some point in their ship, what happened was those TIE fighters had a lock on them. He shot them down, but he didn't turn off the signal they were using to find them. So that gave them enough time for the Empire to go ahead and track down the ship. But what Valance did was he amplified the signal. And then he added um, you know, a few more calls, really kind of baiting the ship to come down. So basically, because he knew this was probably going to happen, he basically had Darth Vader's ship get him out of that situation for him unintentionally. So they grab, they grab a few of the weapons, they get out, they hijack a uh, land speeder, they shoot a bunch of other guys, and then they fly out to the desert. So basically, not only do they have the guns, which, by the way, they didn't have to pay for, but now they also have Darth Vader exactly where they want him. So some TIE fighters come down, Tuscan Raider person, Katars, uh, whatever, shoots a bunch of them down because that's what badass snipers do. But now you got Darth Vader. Uh, he's down and he's got to go do some interrogating. So he goes over to arms dealer guy, Chow, and he's choking him and a bunch of his other guess dudes didn't die in the explosion. He just got kind of shaken up. Yeah. And uh, basically, he's just trying to figure out what's, you know, what's going on. He spills. He's like, man, these bounty hunters were here. They stole a bunch of weapons. They're here to kill you. And uh, during that time, they get back to, um, you know, uh, Valance's Toyota Camry, and they basically fly off to this other planet, still leading the Empire with the signal of where they want Vader to show up next. And that is the end of issue two. What are your thoughts? I'm enjoying it. Uh, the story is moving along nicely. I, I like where it's going. As you sort of referenced, I do feel like the art took a little bit of a, a step back here. I, I, I call it more Marvel like modern Marvel where it's a little bit yeah. cartoony and it lacks the finer detail. That's what I would say. So it's a downgrade from issue one, not bad, but very different in feel and style of the first issue with, which felt, I would call the first issue felt more just star Warsy, as <laughs> so to speak. And this feels more like modern Marvel. Like this feels like the art, this could have been the art in like Miss Marvel or something. Not yeah. Necessarily. It doesn't feel as, as right for, for Star Wars. So not bad, just a style that I don't feel fits this book as much in, in issue two. It's one of the situations where it's definitely carried more by the story and less by the artwork, especially since the action only really comes in the last couple pages. I'm, I'm more forgiving of, of, you know, switching artists on, you know, crossovers like X-Men Fatal Attractions that we looked at in the last uh, couple episodes ago. But, uh, you know, I, I don't get why if you're, if you're going to have a mini series, and then you know it's only six issues. Why don't you just really make sure it's the same artist? And I would prefer the, the, the team that did the art in the first book. You know what my theory is behind that? My theory is, is that because they knew that people were going to buy this book regardless, and I own the physical issues, um, be, because they know that that was going to happen, what they did was they teamed up stronger writers on stronger titles that they knew would sell, and they brought in lesser-known no, artists to highlight their work as well as help them build up their resumes. 
But why not put the same lesser-known artists on all six issues? That's all I ask. Because Marvel editorial is retarded as shit. Okay, thank you. That's, yeah. that's a reasonable answer. That's the best way to do it. Speaking of reasonable shit, uh, we go on to issue three, and we're back to another flashback. We see that Valance was, in fact, a member of the Empire's army. He was an Imperial trooper. He started off as a pilot, and what we can basically see is that something happened loses an eye. Then he turned into a grunt. Uh, he became a, a ground trooper after being unable to serve as a pilot because, you know, pilots need to have both eyes. Even though I think with a robotic eye, that would help you. But what, what do I know about Imperial standards? Um, we basically see that Valance is on this planet where, you know, everyone is basically, and by everyone, I mean his stormtroopers, they're, they're surrounded. A bunch of them are dead. They're freaking out. And um, they're about to get killed. But Valance is the strongest of them. He's the most senior of them. He's the bravest of them. So he basically leads them uh, to charge these soldiers. But right before they do that, uh, all these like robot android soldiers, their weapons just like get destroyed midair by some magic wielding creature. I wonder who that could be. Then they get tossed off. And next, you know, they're all looking around. They're like, who the hell did that? How'd that happen? And we see Darth Vader walking through freaking fire like a boss. And we see TIE fighters and Star Destroyers behind them. And he just looks at them and he's just like, rise troopers. The empire marches on. You know, what's crazy about this? We see him using the force more than using his lightsaber. And I, I kind of like it. Yeah, as much as I knocked the art in the last issue, and we do have the same artist here, uh, Stefano Landini, uh, this is a badass uh, splash page here. I love I, I freaking love this. You see like some random like stormtrooper helmets on the floor to show some casualties. I mean, just there's something about Vader and fire and explosions, which just seems right. Yeah, and there is, like you said, there's something about just seeing him, you know, he's not uh, he's not wielding the lightsaber, he's not touching anyone, he's just wielding the force because, you know, it, it, it puts things in perspective because now it seems like when you look at the grander scope of Star Wars history, he really only takes out the hand-to-hand combat when he really has to, when he's really close to people, or maybe it's a really big battle against, like, you know, someone that matters, like Luke Skywalker, for example, or if he really wants to, but, but... In general, if, if he's just doing normal stuff, you know, just going around tracking down some bounty hunters, uh, why should he do any of that? Because he's got the force and he's the most powerful force user going. So why not just use the force to wreak havoc and blow shit up? Definitely, definitely. So now uh, we continue. We're on the planet Heva. We know that any minute now the Empire is going to be coming down because this is where uh, Valance has been leading them. At this point, him and his crew are kind of, well, his crew is kind of wondering, why did you bring us here? We, we have the weapons. We could have just fought him back there. But there's a reason why. And, um, you know, one, one thing I want to mention is they're looking at some of the electropulse rifles they have and some of the safety mechanisms have been removed because they understand is that, you know, uh, Vader can block a laser, but to block electricity and stuff like that, that's a bit harder. And what Valance points out is that much like him, uh, Vader's mostly machine. So if you destroy the machinery parts, you basically kill the person. So they've been very deliberate about the weapons they're using to go up against this mechanical Sith Lord. But the other part is more important. They have bot drones. They have a whole ton of bot drones. And these are basically midair sky fighting drones that uh, they're going to use for something. And there's a a whole shit ton of them so now um you know they're they're like okay this plan is pretty good but hey we we kind of want to know what can you tell us about the hidden hand 
And at this point, uh, they're, they're, they're talking, and what Dengar says is that, you know, five years back, I was making a delivery of some folks of questionable morals. I can't say who it was. I mean, oh, okay, fine, it was the Pikes. But anyway, when, when I got to meet up for the drop, everyone was dead, and there was, you know, uh, there was something weird about it. I'd never met the person before. I never met you know, him anywhere else. He said he had a message from the hidden hand and they offered me uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. So basically they don't really know anything about the people that are actually paying them to do this. And while they're still going through with the job, like they still feel kind of uneasy, especially with the fact that mentioning the hidden hand last time got them almost killed when they went to go get these weapons. So now you've got a Tuscan Raider person on point, with, uh, with their sniper rifle, you've got the others that are getting set up. And then you've got, um, you know, Valance talking with this one dealer who owns the bots, and they're, they're getting everything set up. And next thing you know, as everyone seems to be moving into position, getting ready, Valance points to the sky, and the one, you know, arms dealer guy looks up, and he's like, shit, we're all going to die. And you see a giant uh, Star Destroyer in the sky. And at this point, um, you know, they're like, hey, you know, we got them. Why don't we just go ahead and blast them? And Vader's like, no, I got to go figure some stuff out. And next thing you know, they're like, uh, Lord Vader, we're under attack. And we see Valance's space Toyota Camry leading an army of drones as the others are on the ground. And basically what's about what, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get Darth Vader grounded. And this is really cool because Valance basically, you know, he's shooting down TIE fighters, uh, getting people like real pissed off because they're like, how can this guy in a space Toyota Camry and some robot fighter pilots take us out? Well, what they basically do is all the drones band together. Like they get real tight and at in one shot, they basically blow off the deck of the star destroyers. So that thing is falling down. It, it's not a good day to be part of the empire. Meanwhile, Vader gets in his tie fighter and he shoots down Valance and everyone is just like, ah, oh, shit. Like, you know, we think we got him for a minute, but Vader's still alive. Uh, Vader goes out. He enters Valance's space Toyota Camry and he sees that nobody's there, but it's okay because while he's in there, his tie fighters outside Dengar and Hona, go ahead and blow it up. And now uh, Valance is out there too. He's got his rifle and he's got Vader in his sights. And he's like, now we kill Darth Vader. And this is basically where everything has led up to. Uh, that's the end of issue three. Yeah. It's still got me. Uh, it's still got me in. And I will say, I don't, I don't know if the art necessarily improved, but I think I just got more used to it. Cause now it, you know, by, by the time I got into these later issues, it just, it's a big contrast to issue one. It's a big contrast to issue one. I do wish that that original art team is who stuck on this, but it's not terrible. And there, there's definitely good moments like that. I mean, the, some of the splash pages are just awesome. And, you know, it, it's not it's by no means bad, I will say. And it, it, I am getting more used to it as we go. Yeah. So now on to issue four. We're catching up with everyone as they've got Vader in their crosshairs. And what I got to say is I love like this 1970s aesthetic of the covers like they almost look like something out of yeah. like you know a spaghetti western film or something very much so yeah i mean it's really it's really trying to give you like that gangster western cowboy like crime film vibe i i just really like it and that stays consistent i wish i almost wish the cover artist was the one who was just doing all the interior yeah, the stuff. covers are that's i'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because the, the covers are just incredible nick klein is the cover artist so now you've got this other Star Destroyer that's come in. This one officer goes over to this hot blonde Imperial officer named uh, 
General Golan. And basically now they're just freaking out. They're like, how is a guy with a whole bunch of, you know, and like a space Toyota Camry and some drones able to take down a Star Destroyer like that? And they're trying to figure out, you know, how how long can we get people, um, you know, you know, to go out there and find Lord Vader. And she's like 15 minutes. And next thing you know, uh, the officer's like 15 minutes, like Lord Vader could die in 15 minutes. Now here's what they don't tell you here, but here's where it's like, if you're reading the other comics, you kind of know Darth Vader is not liked in the empire, like by Imperial officers. They don't like the fact that they don't know who he is. He's always forced choking them. And they think he's a Jedi. And last last they all checked the jedi betrayed the republic and stuff Hmm. so there are many plots throughout like the darth vader and then the falling vader series where you see his own people try and kill him so the empire at large doesn't know that the emperor is a jedi correct no yes you're right because i mean what what the comics show is that while the viewer us we know who the jedi are and everything else the most the galaxy doesn't really know that much and for the most part, like, it, it, and you see this in the Star Wars Clone Wars cartoons, like the farther outside of the main planetary systems they go, the less and less these people really know. So a lot of the stuff they're getting. For many people, it's still a, it's a mythology still. Yeah, I mean, it's it, they, they just don't know what's real. But what they do know is that Vader's not like them. Vader is different. And Vader is probably one of these, you know, Jedi people. So Some weird robot magic wielding guy and they don't trust him and they don't know where the hell he came from because they, yeah. they don't know the story because they didn't watch the prequels. Exactly. It's their <laughs> fault. They, they need to binge they that read shit. the reviews and they said, no, I'm good. What's J.J. Abrams up to? So basically, they don't really like Vader. And in many situations, a lot of them have tried to kill Vader, leave him in situations where he could die. So by this general leaving Vader down there for 15 minutes, uh, eventually, you know, she's going to want to go send some people to save him and stuff. But she's like, you know, we could fucking get rid of him. I mean, we've all thought about, you know, leaving a co-worker in a dark alley at some point. We might go back, but we might not go back now. Uh, and anyway, it's one of those situations. They don't really talk about it, but they, uh, they, they kind of do. And what she also says is like, you know, like even if he kills them, it's like these bounty hunters will be dead before the pilots are even in their flight suits. So she basically is like toying around with Vader. And now we go to Vader. He, he, I mean, the artwork here, I mean, whenever you see Darth Vader, it's hard to make Darth Vader look bad. He, he looks awesome. So anyway, you've got uh, all the bounty hunters. They've got Vader in their sights. The first thing we see is that um, uh, spider alien uh, Asian stereotype guy and Hona lunge out at Vader. And they're um, this is when we start to see the, their flashbacks to like to how why to all of their individual beefs with the Empire. Oh, yeah, basically. Uh, and that's where I got a little confused when I swiped for a second. Oh, yeah. Ba- basically, Chio's whole friends were basically like killed by tie fighters. So he's got, he's got that gripe there and uh, he's running around and there's a whole bunch of dust and fog and smoke and shit everywhere. So Chio's just like shooting wildly. And next thing you know, you see this awesome part where like Darth Vader is moving so fast. You can't tell where his lightsaber is. And meanwhile, you've got everyone else. who's like, how oh, I freaking out. And Dengar is like about to run away. He's like, Hey, I didn't sign up for this. So you've got Vader who's like flinging people around and uh, Chio is just really trying to go for Vader so much so that uh, um, it looks like he, he's down and Vader's about to just hack him in half. Meanwhile, we see that um, 
What's her name? Tuscan Raider chick is actually not a Tuscan Raider. She's actually a normal human person inside of a Tuscan Raider outfit. And she goes over and saves Valens. And much like most female protagonists of Star Wars, she's hot. Uh, it doesn't of hurt. Course. I mean, why not? And, uh, you know, Valens is up. He just got why hit draw with a ricochet. Why if you have the chance? Exactly. Exactly. I love comics. So uh, we go back to Chio, and Darth Vader's just kind of like sick of his shit. He hacks off three of his arms. Good thing he's got more than three. Yeah, like I, I, I just, I just like to leave it there. Like you, you don't see a, you don't, okay. There are some rules to Star Wars. You can never see in the film set by Lucas. You can never see penetrating wounds mm-hmm. unless it's from a certain angle. You can't show the murder of kids. That's why we didn't see the younglings you die. Just imply that it's about to occur, and then cut to another scene. Yeah, you can't show blood, but you could see Anakin on fire. Uh, it's just all these things. So in the comics, they really play loose with that. So when you see Chio get his arms hacked off, like you see them like flinging in the air, it's pretty awesome. And then Hana comes in, my gal. Ah, uh, she she Oink! she lunges in with her battle axe, and basically you see her flashback. And long story short. Uh, the Empire murdered her family when she went to go to Costco to get some stuff. <laughs> She's so, coming back dragging this this big white beast of some kind, and she just says, squee, when sees her house burning down, and goes, oink, 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 oink. And her poor husband has been killed by, and she sees a stormtrooper helmet, so that's how she knows who, who did Yeah, this. it's like the Muppet Miley Massacre. Yeah. So, yeah. She's pissed. I don't know why they show these flashbacks because like, uh, well, I'll say in a second for these people. But anyway, so uh, Hona is just getting her ass kicked by Vader. Next thing you know, what Vader does is he picks up, um, you know, spider armless, you know, monkey dude. Uh, What was his name? Chio. Chio. Yeah, he picks up. he, He picks up Chio. Chow. Um, oh, Chow was the other guy. He's he picks up Chio and, with the force and he throws him into Hona's battle axe. And she's just squealing and she's like, uh, Squee! yeah, so basically that that's not cool. So you, you've got not Tuscan Raider chick. Um, you know, she's like freaking out and Valance is like, they're dead. Focus. I need to get close. I need you to cover me and get close. Do you hear me? And, and then we see uh, her flashback. And long story short, she was taught how to shoot deer i guess or space alien, deer alien, alien space deer box. yeah she's in, she's in like space russia this look this is basically the <laughs> opening scene for like you know enemy at the gates of jude law it's basically that or hannah on amazon because they all steal from jude law's enemy at the gates but anyway um she she takes a shot at vader but he immediately blocks it and then he picks her up with the force while Valance is running over with this like little EMP device. And right before he can get to her, Vader literally chops uh, Hona in half, like from from like like Darth Maul style. Just like it's it's bad. So basically, everyone's like dying. Uh, meanwhile, what uh, he does is he activates the EMP blast, but it gets him. Uh, but, you know, he falls down and what you realize is that it wasn't the EMP blast that he has. It was another EMP blast that was attached to him by somebody. And what we basically see is that that somebody was Dengar. And you see a bunch of stormtroopers behind him. And what you learn is that Dengar was basically working for the Empire. So this whole plot, which was going, well, I want to say halfway decent because people are getting cut in half and shit, uh, was always basically ruined from the start. So that is the end of issue four. That's why he got punched in the face. Valance never liked that guy. 
Do you think it was worth showing the one-page flashbacks, even though the characters were just going to die a panel later? I mean, I guess it shows us because we before we only before this moment before this scene we only knew that they were bounty hunters taking a job. Uh, but through this, uh, we all we learned that even though it's maybe it's not necessary, but I think it adds a little something to the fight scenes. You know, Chio's like he he's aiming at, at Vader and something. He's like, screw this, I can't wait. And he goes in and goes after him. And then Hana goes crazy. And like I think I think knowing just even though it's not like we get a whole you know story, we basically just get a page of each one quickly showing that they had some bad shit happen to them or their families or whatever to the Empire. I think it helps the intensity of that scene a little bit because now you realize, oh, these guys were all chosen not just because they're great bounty hunters but because they all have a beef with the Empire and, the, and a beef with Darth Vader so you know it's a, it's a minor thing yes you, you probably could have done without it and maybe they just wanted to fill four more pages um, but I, I think it did help a little bit and um, I, I think it was it was telling if you were paying attention that they didn't do a flashback for Dengar so you know that's because he ain't got no beef he's on the payroll speaking of beef you sad about Hona I am sad about Hona and that, that would be pork actually but. Rest in peace, Hona. Uh, now I'm just hungry for ribs, Remzo. What does May your life here? be as kosher as it once was. Uh, um, do not eat her with with milk, friends. <laughs> Which kosher friends out there? Actually, you well, you know, you wouldn't eat Hona at all if you're if you're eating kosher, really. Yeah, I was about to say that's kind of contradictory. I, don't know, I mean, is it the same as space pigs, or is it uh, considered a whole new? I, I I mean, are we talking like American Jews? I'm pretty sure I've seen them eat bacon. Do you eat pork? No, American Jews. I mean, it's not about American Jews. It's really about if the, if you're Reform or not. Reform Jews are basically Jews that don't follow the rules. Would you eat Hona? <laughs> um, would I personally eat Hona specifically, or would I eat this t- type of creature? This type of creature. I think I'd or eat her. this type of creature. I'm not sure if I'd eat her after knowing her whole story. Because it has a name, you give it a, you give it a. Okay, so I've got, I've got a friend. Hona. I've, I've got a friend named Zed who's a practicing Muslim, and he's also, you know, his family's from India, and his little sister just got rabbits, and he, I asked him, what's the Indian, what's, what's, I'm sorry, Ordu, what's the Ordu word for rabbit, and he told me it was like a. Uh, Kashog or something like that. And I was like, really? That's rabbit? He's like, well, there's no direct translation for rabbit. We just call them soft meat. And long story short, he he got to name one of the rabbits. So he named it like Mr. Kashog, Mr. Soft Meat. There's no, there's no moral to that story. Have you ever eaten rabbit, Remzo? I have. I've had rabbit stew. As have I. Prepared properly, rabbit is delicious. It is good. I, like, I, would, I would not complain. One of the best meals I ever had was at Teotihuacan, a little restaurant. It's a, the Amazing Pyramids just outside of Mexico City uh, at this restaurant that's like inside a cave. Or the, I highly recommend if you ever find yourself here, my friends, which everyone should, because everyone should go to Teotihuacan, one of the amazing marvels of the ancient world. Um, you got to order the Conejo, the rabbit. Oh, I remember what I was trying to say. If you name it, you can't eat it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah, no. I know Hona. We're, we go way back. I know her whole story. I know her name. Not eating her. But a generic pig space pig? Maybe. We'll roast that thing up. Do a whole, have a whole party of luau. Why not? This this conversation has no purpose except to entertain you and enlighten you folks. You could you could argue that is the tagline of our show. <laughs> That's a <laughs> this, good way of putting this it. This conversation has no real purpose other than to entertain you, hopefully. Yeah. Now we're on to issue five. Uh, we have another flashback for Valens. Basically, uh, he has a girlfriend named Yura. She, you know, she she's a little, you know, like By the way, you know, new artists again. A new team of artists. Yeah, this is from this is this is three people contributing. This is Chris Bolson, Roberto DiSalvo, and 
Marco Marco Fela. Yeah, it's weird how they just say artists and they don't break down who's penciling, who's co- who's uh, inking, or what have you. So, did they all separate it? Because then they have another colorist, uh, Rochelle Rosenberg. Couldn't they just get us the same freaking artist for six issues? I get if this is a, an ongoing series, you know, but you know, it's six issues. Just I don't care which team you pick. I just want some consistency for these six issues. That's all I ask. I I like all of the art and some level, so I don't really care who they picked, but. I mean, why can't we just have the same artist? Why is it so hard? Give the other guys other stuff to do because there's another 57 other miniseries you got going on for your all your crappy superhero books. So why not stick some of them over there? Probably because yeah. everyone wants on, on Star Wars. They're like, look, we can put you on one issue. They're like, all right, I'll do the one. Issue. I have bills to pay, man. Anyway, uh, the, this, you know, he, he has a little side piece named Yura. Yura comes over to him and I gives call this him flashback a violent violence agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> um. Anyway, she gives him like this little red stone, which is supposed to be good luck. And she runs away crying and he's like, you're a wait. And, the, you know, his dad comes over and he's like, let her go, son. She'll be fine. And so will you. The path ahead of you is a long and hard one. But remember, nothing the Empire throws at you is is going to be harder than the mines we've dug through. Keep your head down. Keep working as hard as you've always worked. And no matter what they put in front of you, keep going. And, and this is where we basically learn that when he went into the Empire, he was like, an ace pilot he got shot down in a place called Kolosk and that's where he lost his eye so that was his first cybernetic piece then somewhere uh, along the line he became a ground trooper a regular stormtrooper and was sent to a place called the Midrim as him and his team are basically uh, you know just under fire under siege um, Valance basically leads a charge to save everybody and at that point he gets hit by a piece of artillery and he's just completely screwed up you see that his body is charred his leg is missing and what he keeps telling them is just keep going so he's a trooper through and through a real soldier soldier and now we're back to this Imperial Star Destroyer in current time. We see Valance. Uh, he's being held captive. We see some of those, like, you know, anal probe floating droids <laughs> and stuff. I don't know what they're really called. The probers that, you know, probed Leia in a, in, in, in a New Hope. No one liked those things. Wow, that's just scary. Who knows yes. where those things go? So now he's being held there. And Darth Vader, who looks a little bit downgrade from the last couple artists who have covered him i'll be honest um he's he's basically you know he's talking of dengar who he's paid handsomely and he's like tell me everything about the hidden hand and dengar is like i told you everything about those maniacs and i guarantee what i said is more than you'll ever get out of valance valance won't speak he's too dumb and, and next thing you know darth vader you know he can't leave without mild threat he's like you're free to go bounty hunter should the empire acquire your services again i know where to find you and dengar looks like seriously uh, intimidated. Now I, I don't like this art. I'll be honest. It looks it looks very cartoonish. I do. Yeah, I do feel like we've taken another downgrade. Um, I didn't mind like what was her name, Salvador or something or other. I didn't I didn't mind that art. Um, but this is even. It's like we we have gone another step of cartoony down to me, or or up to cartoony, whichever way you want to look at it. But yeah, I, I I'm with you here. I I, I really do not. I, I I can say I actually actively dis, dislike the art once we get to this issue, this issue. Yeah. So now they've got Valance and like one of those little torture uh, 
stretcher things. And what Vader is basically trying to do is he's got this map of all these little red dots and he's trying to get balance on what it is. Valance, you know, he, he's being a smart ass. He's like, Oh, those are all my favorite drinking places. So now he's like torturing him, but he knows that, you know, Valance is still half human. So what he starts doing is he starts messing with his cybernetic pieces. You see him starts to like explode from the side of his face and he's screaming and stuff. And, and next thing you know, um, you know, Valance is basically like, how about I tell you what you already know? Each of those dots is a hidden hand outpost you've managed to wipe out. Nothing but a bunch of dead ends. And you know, and you know that too. So why don't you let me out of these restraints and you and I see who's really doing all this. And, you know, Vader's just not taking it. He's like, oh, he's just trying to save himself. So he just continues to torture him. Uh, then we get on to another flashback and we see Valance. He's basically recovering at, uh, you know, Empire Walter Reed. And he's just mainly cybernetic at this point, uh, so much so that he gets discharged. And, you know, what his what, what his commanding officer basically says is like, listen, man, like you're, you're a brave soldier. Yeah, you could probably fight, but you barely have any flesh on you. So go out. So basically and, you has know, like a head and a chest, a half a head and a chest. That's his yeah. Body. The rest is all side. So, so so basically, you know, his officer's like, listen, man, like, you know, you, you've done everything. You've done more than most troopers and you get to have what most soldiers of the Empire never get to do. You get to go home. So he gets a flight right back uh, to his colony. And as he steps off and he's like, ah, this is going to be great. I bet everything was good while I was gone. He walks out and he sees that half the buildings are gone. And there's a massive burial ground that used to be his home of Corin. And you got Yura runs out, uh, you know, crying. And she's like, Belair? And he's like, Yura, what happened? And basically she says, the Empire took everything from the mines, from our homes. And then there was nothing left to take and then they just left and then Corrin was defenseless. We were defenseless and without their protection, the Raiders came and we fought back and we tried, but, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to find out who did this and make them pay. Everyone stay here. And at this point, you basically know that, you know, Valance is out for blood. Uh, meanwhile, we get back to modern times and what he basically does to escape those restraints is he rips off his own arm, uses it to, you know, like Jimmy is way through the locks and then he manages to basically get these two stormtroopers to run in because stormtroopers are always fucking stupid, no matter what the context is. And he beats the shit out of them and then steals one's uniform. Uh, so as he's running out to his ship, he basically realizes, wait, this is all too easy. He turns around army of stormtroopers, all pointing their weapons at him, which if you've watched Star Wars, you know. He's still pretty good because they never hit any of their targets. And you see Vader right there, though. But Vader does hit his targets. So he's like, ah, shit. And Vader's like, it's time, bounty hunter. So Vader was just waiting for him to escape, <laughs> apparently, and dressed like a stormtrooper. Just, yeah. just standing there with his whole crew. But he doesn't kill him. He says, it's time, bounty hunter. It's time to go home. So now, you know, Valance is basically telling Vader everything that happened, why he's mad and why he he wants to know more about these hidden hands people. And, and long story short, he knows that the hidden hand was responsible for arming the Raiders or even being part of the Raiders that destroyed his village. So all of this was not necessarily to, pay, to kill Vader and pay off his debt. It was to get close to the hidden hand. So now him and Vader basically have a common cause. And Vader looks out to the remains of the survivors of the city. And he's like, what remains of your people is still down there safe for now. And Valance is like, bro, are you threatening me? 
And Vader walks away like a badass, like badasses do, walk away while talking, an Irish goodbye. And he's like, I'm welcoming you, Valance, back into the Empire. So now uh, we, we fast forward. Valance is going to a place called Loic. It's a secret rebel outpost. And now what he's basically discovered is that um, he is going to essentially double cross everybody. So what he's going to do is he's going to basically take the uh, rebels immediately to a weapons post. We don't know if it's a hidden hand weapon post. We don't know if it's an Imperial weapons post. We just know that Valance has some stuff the rebels need and they're going to go with it. And that's where the issue ends. Yeah. He's basically saying, look, you need the weapons and I, I need to find a hidden hand. They got weapons. So let's go get them. And meanwhile, they don't know that, Part of this is because he has now been kind of tasked with Vader with finding the hidden hand as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's layers upon layers, just like any good heist story. Who can yeah. you really trust in the end? It's a plan within the plan within the plan within the plan. So now we start issue six and I'll just, we'll just jump into, you know, the, the big review at the end. We're at issue six and we're now another flashback. And now we're back to art by, uh, this is now back to, it's another team effort, but Stefano Landini is back on this book who was the artist from issue two and three and I think even four. Um, so yeah, we're just, you think it's frustrating no. for these artists to come back mid story. Somebody's already been screwing up their stuff. Yeah, and especially when they got to share the just, they're just generically artists, and then it lists three of them, and you don't know who exactly did what. I, I think Steph, I think Stefano Landini mostly just did the pencils because it looks very similar to the art from the, the other issues that he did. So, but yeah, it's got to be. Or maybe they're just happy they're getting a payday at Marvel Comics. I don't know. Maybe hey, maybe we're you get to them. say you worked on Star Wars book more than That's I'll true. ever get to say. Maybe. Um, we're at a flashback at the outer rim. This is when Valance first started being a bounty hunter. And basically what he's learned is that, you know, bounty hunter life is fucking tough. It serves no other purpose than that. It's tough. So now we're back and he's in his space Camry and he's basically, um, leading the rebels to this weapons depot. So he gets to this place, comes out and he's about to get in when suddenly, uh, as he's crouched with the sniper out, he's basically abducted by a bunch of other bounty hunters and they go ahead and bring him in. And then who do we see is the hidden hand leader. It's space ape dude, kind of not ape dude. Gui, dun, dun, dun. the guy who recruited him and everyone else saying he was a messenger. He Classic was a heist movie twist. The, the secretary is the kingpin. Exactly. So now, uh, you know, everyone is like, Valance, what the hell, man? We know you're not here just because, you know, you're here to be friends. You didn't even kill Vader. So Gui comes over as Valance is basically, you know, handcuffed. And he's just beating the shit out of him. And he's just like, normally I'd be impressed, but I didn't hire you to find me. I hired you to kill Darth Vader. It's taken me years to build all this. Years to organize as many rogue bounty hunters as I could find. To build an army. Nothing can stand in my way. Not the Empire. And certainly not a simpleton like you. And they're interrogating him and, you know... They're like, who else knows? And at this point, uh, he's like, just me, Gui. The rest of the team is dead. Nobody knows what happened to Kavik. Um, and no, and and I thought nobody knew about this his hidden base. Uh, when I when I but when I saw each of your outposts, we were all near asteroid fields. Well, um, I thought I'd go ahead and just get my hands dirty. So now you know, Gui has a gun to his head, and he's like, "So your team is dead. You failed to kill Vader, and you've come all this way to what? Kill me? Why?" And Valance is just like, "Yeah, it's just just because I don't like you." So now they're just beating 
you know, beating him and beating him and beating him. And Valens just looks up and he, you know, he wipes some blood from his mouth and he's like, Corin. And we is like that backwater village. How do you know about that? And then he's like, ah, I approached your team because word was that you all had an Vader in the empire. I never knew why you did until now. So all this has been about revenge. Pathetic. And all of this, was it worth dying for? Nope. Basically what happens and they, they 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 basically allude to it is everyone thought that Valens was just mad at the Empire because the Empire left after the mines were done. But what we basically know from the previous issue is that the Hidden Hand was responsible for going in and killing everybody and stealing all the shit they had left. So it wasn't really that he was mad at the Empire. It's that he wanted to go after the people that really pulled the trigger, the people that killed his father and his friends and everyone else. So now, as Gui's about to kill Valens, who do we have show up to save the day? The person you want to save you when you're in trouble. Darth Vader. (laughs) And he he walks in with a whole bunch of stormtroopers. And what does he say? He just says, kill them all. So now everyone's just getting their shit kicked in. Valens and Vader are just killing everybody. And then, uh, you know, at this point... um, uh, they've basically, you know, captured Gui and now he's going to get interrogated by Vader, but Vader wants to go ahead and bring in Valance to make sure all the loose ends are taken care of. So, uh, Vader turns around to a stormtrooper and he's like, bring me Valance. And the trooper's like stuttering. He's like, Oh Lord, Vader Valance's Valance's. And next, thing you know, he picks him up, chokes him. And he's like, where is he? And the stormtroopers like he's missing. Uh, Valance has basically gone on a land speeder back to his space Toyota Camry and he flies off into the wilderness. Meanwhile, at this point, uh, Darth Vader's kind of pissed that Valance decided to run off. So he sent some uh, stormtroopers to take out the remainder of Corrin when suddenly um, uh, they turn around and they basically see that the whole village is gone. Like everybody is gone. And what the deal was, was that the Empire would basically relocate every remaining survivor from Corrin and take them elsewhere in return for um, Valance basically leading Vader to this basic defeat where they don't really get any loose ends. Yeah, they take out the the hidden hands, but, you know, nothing is really solved as a result of this. And at the same time, the rebels are able to go outside and also grab all the weapons and stuff that they would have had to buy anyway. So basically everybody wins except Vader at the end of it. And the hidden hand is basically wiped off. So nobody has any connections to anybody at this point. Uh, meanwhile, they're like, Hey, Valance, why don't you go ahead and join the rebellion? And Valance is like, nah, I'm too cool. I got to jump off in my space Camry. Meanwhile, the, the hot rebellion chick, he gives her the red, the lucky red stone that he was given. And it's basically him basically saying, you know, I might not be a rebel, but I believe in your cause. Good luck. Uh, meanwhile, we're back to Coruscant and we see Dengar boasting about how he took out all these people and how rich he is now when all of a sudden Valance comes in and punches him once again in the face. And at this point, um, you know, he's just like, hey, you know, uh, everyone here, you're going to buy me a drink for not killing this dude. And at this point, he goes on to, to tell everybody about, you know, what he was doing and stuff. And they're like, but wait, you know, you're back to being a bounty hunter. Like, where's all your money and stuff? And he's like, oh, you know, I blew it on something stupid. What he did with the remainder of the credits is he bought 
the rebellion a whole shit ton of weapons. And uh, that's a pretty cool thing for this yeah, guy that, that nobody that, really knew whose side he was on. So he basically not only helped them steal a bunch, but he bought them a whole bunch of shit with the credits that he had. So, so he's not taking a side, but he's kind of taking a side. Yeah. Anyway, that is it. Target Vader. I will we, say the last few pages here is where you can tell that the art team changed to other people. Whose because art it, like because it gets kind of lazy. <laughs> it gets super lazy and it's super extra cartoony. I felt like I was watching, reading like Aladdin <laughs> at the end there. Yeah. Well, Mark, uh, you know, one of our, one of our shorter series, a little bit more direct. I had a ton of fun with it. Let's go ahead and jump into the ratings. All right. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll kick things off and uh, I'll start with the art because I think that's a lot easier to judge here. Uh, I'm not the art. I'm going to the art's more difficult to judge. I'm going to start with the writing because the writing is much easier to judge. Um, this is a really good story. It's it's not, you know, it's not rewriting the Star Wars canon or anything. It's not changing anything. It's not giving you some huge revelation that if you didn't have, you wouldn't be able to understand the rest of the Star Wars universe. But it's a fun story with some cool characters that also adds to the richness of the the sort of the history of, of the the Star Wars mythos. Uh, so I think it serves, again, like I mentioned with that first issue, it serves all sorts of Star Wars fans. If you're just a hardcore Star Wars fan who consumes every cartoon, every movie, every book, every comic, and you know all the lore, there's so much in here that's only going to add to that and add to that depth and, and, and provide the service for that kind of fan. At the same time, it's great for a casual Star Wars fan. I could, I would even say you almost don't, you hardly even need to know much about Star Wars, other than you know it helps if you know who Darth Vader is, I guess, and you kind of know about the Empire. But you don't even really need that. They kind of give you enough in here that even if you knew nothing about Star Wars, which I don't know if anybody exists and knows nothing about Star Wars, but even if you didn't, you could probably follow along pretty well here. Um, so I, I think it's a really, really fun story. Um, we're not, uh, you know, we're not making any revelations here. This is not, uh, you know, this is not like the the world's greatest prose or anything like that. It is not. Jane Eyre, uh, but why is Jane Eyre the example I chose? That's uh, kind of left field, but okay. That was out of nowhere. I'm going to re-examine some things. I would have taken later. Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, <laughs> Ocean's Eleven. All right. Well, all right. Those are all. Those were all better than this, actually. So, well, I don't know about Ocean's Eleven. No, Ocean's Eleven is a great movie. Um, yeah. So, anyway, at the end of the day, writing, I'm going to give a three point five. It's, you know what. No, I'm giving it a four. I'm giving it a four. It's good. It's really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I'm giving the writing a four. The art, like I said, is a lot more difficult to judge because it's inconsistent and not it's, it's consistent um, within each artist, but it's inconsistent across six issues. And that kind of pulled me out of it, especially some of those art, the art teams that were just got a little too cartoony. Um, I, I think the art was really strong in the first like three issues. And then they started mixing and matching even more. You could tell. And it just, it, it kind of distracted me how, how the art sort of deteriorated and went in the wrong direction for me. Um, it's, I would say it's never actively bad. It is actively bad in, in a couple issues, the, the, the very, very cartoony issues. I think, you know, which ones I mean. So I do have to downgrade the art a little bit for that um I, I think the other art was very strong though a lot of the art was very strong there was a, like some of those cool vader splash pages um the first issue was like the best art of them all and i think it got strong again for most i wish of they had just issues. left that guy have yeah, it they, all they really should have that guy uh. whoever he is uh we don't know because Good there's job, three guy. listed so we don't know who was doing what um but uh, overall i i'm gonna say 
At the end of the day, the art probably averages out to average to 2.5. I wish I could give it more because there is some really good art here, but there's some really bad art here too. And the inconsistency it, that that downgrades it even more, more of a level. So I can only give the art in good conscience a two and a half. So that gives us a six and a half total. Decent, fun, enjoyable. Check it out if you're a Star Wars fan. It doesn't take a lot of time to get through it. That's what I would say. And I think my score is basically going to be the same. I'll start with the story, too. My score stays the same, but it's always kind of plain, and I like to keep it this way. Uh, was it good for new readers, and was it good for seasoned readers? I think it gets high marks on both. If you knew nothing, if you knew nothing, and I doubt you know nothing about Star Wars, this was a great entry point for you. This is where I kind of started reading a lot of the new Star Wars books. I think it did great. And if you're a seasoned uh, big Star Wars nerd, I mean, this just gives you so many different aspects to look at the story from i i mean i love it just on the the speculation all the easter eggs and stuff alone and all the connections especially bringing back a character like valance who i always felt uh you know it was a shame that they got rid of the legends continuity uh because i was afraid we lost him but now they they brought him back and he's awesome as hell being all terminator kurt russell so for that uh you know the fact that the story was pretty generic pretty good but you know it's a genre thriller heist story type of deal um it, it with that comes a little bit of predictability uh I, I can't give it a five because you know it's it's not worthy of a five but it's just it's just it's good at, it's really good at doing what it wants to do i'm giving it a four uh i'm gonna give it a little bit of a lower mark on the art though because the, the art is just so wildly inconsistent, not issue for issue, but page for page, depending on how many people you have on there. It, it makes it hard to take certain parts seriously. And I think when you're going for a darker, more suspenseful tone, you want to have a sense of, um, you know, re- reliability with your artists and your coloring and everything else. And this, this, this really kind of failed at that past issue one. So I'm actually going to give the art a two for a total score of a six out of ten. It's a good Sunday read, but other than that, you might not read it again. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. This is the kind of story that I will say, yeah, I enjoyed that, uh, but I'll never, I'll probably never go back to it, you know, because I, I've, I've done everything I need to do here. It was, it was a nice fling. We had a good time. We don't really need to exchange numbers. You know what I mean? You need to go now. The Uber's <laughs> yeah, outside. It's time for you to leave. I have a busy day. Thanks. Yeah. It's Wednesday, please. So this is a 12.5 out of 20. Yeah. If you're bored, it feels low because I, I did enjoy it, but it's fair. I think it's a fair to it, It's the artwork. Like, you know, we couldn't, this is probably the starkest example of a story where bad art can kill a score. Yeah. Cause if this had, if this had like the same art team as issue one, even if it had the same, uh, even had, it had this uh, Salvador character, I think did like two issues in a row who, who I found to be a downgrade, but was still pretty good and had the, those really cool Vader scenes. If it was just, Either of those for all six issues, this would have easily been another an entire point higher for my art. I, 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 I would have gone like three point five. Yeah, I would probably would have given it a three point five if it was either of them for all six issues, just for the consistency. And because I think they both did pretty good. I enjoyed all, all the art there. It was just with some of those, you know, those last couple issues that really it really did fell off. And that was really distracting. So, yeah, it, yeah. it should be a seven point five. Um, but, it, you know, the inconsistency of the artist tree is uh, what knocks it down a whole point. So there you go. That's why. But enjoyable read. Yeah, I, I, th- I think people I, I think people will enjoy this. Listeners, I hope you enjoy it. And I hope maybe you'll read it if you haven't read these Star Wars books. I mean, um, Mark, I think, you know, uh, a few years ago when, when you started getting back into comics, Star Wars was what, what was at the top of your reading list. 
Yeah, I mean, that was when a lot, I think, a lot of those initial Star Wars series were coming out. There was the, the just the one called Star Wars and the one called Darth Vader that both kind of ran next to each other simultaneously. And eventually we saw the introduction of Dr. Aphra and some of these other characters. And yeah, I think it's just I think it's just such a good format because it's good because they it's really hard for them to J.J. Abrams anything here because everything is taking place within already established universe and during already established time periods. So, you know, they're not going to do anything that's going to you know completely go out you know blow up the mythology that we already know about because it's all sort of quote unquote in the past oh i mean I, i've read i've read some interviews uh for some of the other writers who have done like you know the the main star wars comic and stuff like that they get they have disney and lucas films ha- and lucas arts have so much editorial control over I'm these sure. stories no one had like there's so many like boundaries and like guidelines that it's hard to screw it up yeah I mean, and I think I've, I can't really say I've read some of these books that, um, you know, some of the side books, like I, when I first was getting into them, I was reading every little, you know, every little miniseries that came out. Some of them are good. Some of them are, are hit and miss, but none of them are bad. I've never really read a bad one. Some of them are excellent. Like the main, the main series are almost always excellent. All, all the books that Charles Soule did uh, are just absolutely excellent. I, I recommend all of them. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's nothing, no, there's no flops. I haven't found one that I'm like, God, what a piece of crap this is, you know? Yeah, and speaking of Charles Soule, Lando, there was a great little Lando miniseries. I think there was just five issues, really fun read. I mean, there's there's a lot to dive into. You could just go through the Star Wars section on the Marvel Unlimited app and and be completely satisfied for probably months of reading if you really just wanted to binge on Star Wars stuff. Or you could be extra awesome. And speaking of Charles Soule, uh, one of our epic crossover patrons, uh, Derek, got in the mail for his uh, quarterly hand selected graphic novel a hardcover edition of star wars volume two by charles soul so you know all all this stuff folks we we give you so much in the show and we give you so much more over on patreon if you love this go out and grab it and if you really love this let us go ahead and introduce stories you would have never grabbed yourself into your life and add to your own home graphic novel collection i think that's good life advice remzo Absolutely. Well, that's all I got, folks. Any any final words, Mark? I only have the same final words that I have each and every week. Do it. That is me imploring all of you to continue to read comics and change the world. Good night, America. Adios. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.